This presentation of Marshall Rosenberg, entitled Giraffe Fuel for Life, is part of the Corona 2000 recording series. Now, the, the best fuel that I know of that for living your life in, in the way that I think brought us all together, uh, a life in which we meet our need to enrich life moment by moment, as many moments as we can, because when we are using our enormous power in the service of making life wonderful, either for ourselves or others, that's meeting one of the most basic needs that I can identify that we human beings have, this need to enrich life. And for those who were with us at the beginning of the session where we talked about needs earlier, uh, I said that that's probably the the most powerful need that I'm aware of, this need to enrich life. And when we meet that need, that need to enrich life, uh, we have a natural energy. It's a natural remembering, the thing we're doing every day to start the day with a period of time to bring our consciousness to this beauty that each of us has this power to make life wonderful. So, to keep that consciousness and to increase the moments of our life that our actions are in the service of that, that need of making life wonderful. And not the pseudo-needs, the misrecognized needs that our culture has taught us to identify as needs. For example, the need for money, the need for status the need to be liked by people, the need for approval, all of these false needs. When we get the real stuff, when we really meet our need to enrich life, then we can't be tricked by these pseudo-needs. And this fuel comes when we both give and receive gratitude with a certain energy. So, we need to be, above all, very clear that we not mix up gratitude as a need. See, we don't need gratitude. If we think we need gratitude, then we're suckers to live our life trying to get approval from others. Trying to make people smile at us, as though when people smile at us, it's the good life when we mix up gratitude as a need. Gratitude is very important, but not as a need. It's necessary as a confirmation that our need was met. This need, this very important need to enrich life. So is there anyone who's not clear about that critical differentiation before we go on? So, we have built into us a built-in system of gratitude that is confirmation that we have enriched life. That built-in system is called feelings. See, our feelings are a built-in confirmation of when we have fulfilled our need to enrich life when the person whose life we're trying to enrich is ourself. 
See, our feelings immediately tell us whether we enrich life or not. So we don't have a need for positive feelings. No, no, no. Positive feelings, pleasureful feelings, are a confirmation that our need to serve life has been met. But when we want to serve life that exists in forms outside our body, we need feedback. This, gets, this causes some confusion in people who have been taught you shouldn't do things for gratitude. You just do it because you want to do it. And, and that's good advice in sense. Like, that's right. We've we got to be careful we're not doing it to get the reward, the smile. We, that's true. But we do need confirmation. It's not enough that I cook a meal for you and that my intentions were good. I really need to know, did this enrich life in your body? If it created pain, heartburn. <laughs> like for poor Buddy Hackett. See, he didn't know giraffe. He couldn't communicate to his mother. He, he, he says he was in the army before he knew you could get up from a meal without having heartburn. <laughs> See, he was so used to his mother's cooking that heartburn was a way of life. He just he didn't know there was another way, you see. So, no, it's not enough that we do things out of an intention to enrich life. We have to have a feedback mechanism. And gratitude is that feedback mechanism. But now, unfortunately, the domination world, seeing the power of this, has learned to now turn this natural function into an oppression by getting people addicted to rewards. Getting people to be confused about the difference between confirmation. We, we, the gratitude is a confirmation. And it educates people to think that the approval, of the people smiling at you, expressing thank you, is the reward itself. It's, it's, that's why you're doing it. It distorts the need to enrich life. So the first thing that I would suggest then in the giving of gratitude to other people is to be very careful that you never give gratitude as a reward. Never give gratitude to build up somebody's confidence in themselves. In other words, don't use it as a manipulation to create something in the other person. It cheapens and destroys the beauty of gratitude. Now, parents are rather shocked when I say that. They say, well, what about building up your, your child's self-concept? What's wrong with telling them you're so handsome, you're so bright, you're such a good boy? You don't see that when you get people addicted to that, they have no self-esteem. They can only like themselves when they're getting rewards, which is the, rule, the, the reason for it, why it's used. Now, what if someone says something nice, Marshall? Not if it's a reward. If it's a celebration of life, yes. If it's a reward, no. If it's an intent to build up the other person's self-esteem, no. If it's a celebration of how your life has been made more wonderful by the other person, yes. So no compliments, no praise... Only gratitude when it's given as celebration. That's the only reason for thank you. Celebration. 
never to reward, never to build up the other person's self-concept. Um, I understood a few minutes ago you saying that, that we're confusing gratitude, that one of its functions is a source of information. Um, in other words, we do something, someone's grateful, we found out that what we did enriched their life. When, when the expression of gratitude is a celebration, mm-hmm. yes, then it, it has this function to the other person. Mm-hmm. It's a confirmation uh, that their efforts have enriched life. Right, so our celebration is also that comfort. When you say to use it as a celebration, also in that is, is that... It, it's a, you can't that, tell who's the giver and who's the receiver. Right. Everybody celebrates that. The other person can celebrate because they know they're not being manipulated by... They're, they're not, the other person isn't saying this to get something from us. It's just a celebration of life. It's not tarnished as it's been in the domination culture to take this most beautiful celebration and make you have to wonder, are they saying this to make me feel good? Was it sincere? What do they want from me now? How many of us have that worry at times about... You see, it's, it's hard not to because we know how often... This kind of gratitude has been used. I put this in a book I wrote for teachers, a cartoon that captures this pretty clearly. It's a Native American saying to another Native American, watch me use modern psychology on my horse. And he walks over close enough for the horse to hear, and he says, I have the bravest, most courageous horse in all the West. The horse looks crestfallen and says, how do you like that? He's gone out and bought himself another horse. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, the worst danger of all about compliments or praise, the other person might believe it. And it is just as dehumanizing to believe you're a nice person as to believe you're a rat. They both reduce you to a thing. So any compliment is reducing the other person to a thing. And sadly, most of the time I think we use it, we don't mean it in these oppressive ways. But that's the origin of these positive judgments. They're still part of the jackal game. Positive judgments are still one person passing judgment on another. So we need a different language and a different consciousness about thank you, about gratitude. So the consciousness, I hope I've made clear now, It needs to come from pure celebration, no other motive. Any question about that before we go to the mechanics? Now, what we want to get across in saying gratitude in a nonviolent communication way that will really help us celebrate this power that we have to enrich life the thank you needs to contain a clear observation. So this is nothing new for us. We've been studying how to make clear observations. And it's just as important in gratitude as when we are expressing pain to a person. It's a, it's a gift to somebody to let them know what they're doing that is not making life wonderful for us. And now we're talking about the other side of the coin. That it's just as important to be concrete Why? Because then the person can really identify with it when they know what they've done. But if somebody just says, you're a wonderful person, what does that mean? How much more that message would mean if that person could say at that moment, 
what they are reacting to on the part of the other person. See? Was it something the person does? <laughs> Is it just their appearance, physical appearance? You see? But whatever, if you could be clear about what you are reacting to. In a gratitude, it's the, the clarity is just as important as in expressing pain. And then, a celebration requires telling the person how you feel at the moment you were giving the gratitude. How you feel at that moment. Not how you felt when it happened. At the moment that you're giving the celebration. How you feel about the person having done that. And third, we need to make clear what need of ours was fulfilled by the action that creates the feeling. So the feeling, is, as usual, is the, at the root of the feeling is a need. So to, make, to express a celebration, a, a gratitude in giraffe, clear observation, present feeling, and a fulfilled need. Those are the three things to get across. Now, how do we get that across? Sometimes we can just say thank you. And in some context, the thank you will communicate those three things to the other person. Sometimes we don't have to say anything. Sometimes our eyes will communicate those three things. But if we are a giraffe, we are conscious that if those three things don't get communicated it's a real pity because then this person can't really see how our life has been made more wonderful so I would like us all to have the ability to express these three things verbally see? so if we're not sure that the person sees these three things what a horrible thing not to see those three things in a thank you so if in any moment we're not sure that they do, we want to be able to say these three things real clearly. So now I want to do an exercise that in which we will see both how to express gratitude, making these three things clear. But we will also deepen our consciousness about why there is this severe fuel shortage, on, fuel shortage on the planet that Jim was making reference to with his story about, uh, that he mentioned about his, what his boss said. See? Because I hear that complaint very often in many workplaces. You can bust your tail around this place and you never hear anything about it. But the first time you muck up, you'll hear about it. You see. So there is a severe fuel shortage on this, this planet. It's amazing how many people are gratitude-starved. They're not getting the gratitude necessary to know that we have met, met our need to enrich life. And if we're not getting that gratitude back regularly to confirm that that need is being met, the cost of not having our need for meaning met is enormous. It just takes the joy out of life. It takes the energy out of life. So it's a critical need to get met. Julie, you want to say something? Um, I, it, it, this may not be the moment for you to speak about this, but it's up for me, so I want to ask about it now. That I, I seem to find myself in situations where the work that I'm doing meets needs for a lot of people, 
and I get the feedback that it does. But the feedback from the ones whose needs are not getting met um, is, is very painful for me. I'm not able to keep my giraffe ears on and hear their beautiful needs. I just feel overwhelmed and uh, tell myself that uh, they're telling themselves that I should have met their needs. So wait a minute, you're saying that you, when you get the feedback from them that you're not meeting their needs. Oh. So you haven't learned how to see the beauty in that yet. Not in that, the, not in the, under the, the, there's certain, certain circumstances where I can't yet do that. It's like... Because um, if we really got giraffe ears, we can't tell a, a positive from a negative feedback. In fact, we can't even use the word positive and negative anymore because they both meet the same need. They both are, contribute to our getting our need met to enrich life. So we see the negative feedback as a gift. It's teaching us how to give better. How to better meet our need to enrich life. Yeah. I understand that theoretically. But you're saying it's really difficult to do. It's, it's difficult when I'm hearing that the person's uh, putting a should, the should in there, that I should... So it's difficult when they put a should in there and you hear it. And I hear it, yeah. <laughs> because the person can't put a should on you. They can't should on you if, if you have giraffe ears on. Well, the first time through, I also heard that it's difficult when she's feeling overwhelmed. So you're saying that there might be some times when you can hear it better than at other times. Certainly there are. Um, but I, I would love to work with this tangibly today, if you have some... About? S- some uh, stretching, something to help me stretch my ability to have those giraffe ears on in the, in the tough situations. So give me a tough situation and what the message might sound like. Uh, you know, you're you, uh, you coordinating this workshop. It's your job. It was your job to call back people. Yeah. And it's in a timely way. Yeah. And um, um, you, you're just not doing your job when you didn't call so, back. So no, knowing you a little bit, I would guess that that is a good test for your giraffe ears because my guess is that jackal is telling you what, that you are what your inner jackal is telling you you might be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how to stay in touch with my joy in giving when I didn't give in, in that situation, and I can see how it's hurt people. Yeah, but hold it now. But what does your inner jackal tell you about that? Telling you you should always serve people. Well, I should keep agreements, and um, if I take it on and say I'm coordinating a workshop, then I should um, respond to people in a timely way. Yes, well, you haven't given that poor inner jackal enough empathy. You'd see it's a beautiful giraffe. It wants to nurture people, contribute to their being able to trust that Things will happen. So it's a beautiful giraffe. It wants to nurture. 
So I still feel vulnerable. I guess I'm not willing to mourn enough when someone comes to me and says how much I didn't meet them. Well, my guess is you may forget to mourn at all or not be able to mourn because you're too busy hating yourself. When your inner jackal agrees with the outer jackal, you can't mourn. All you can do is hate yourself. So empathy is really (laughs) necessary. Yes, very (laughs) important. That poor jackal is really a beautiful giraffe in disguise, so you have to kiss it like the princess kissed that frog so it could turn into whatever it turned into there. But Yeah, because it's really a beautiful giraffe. So when you empathize with that, then uh, you and the other person have the same need. They would like to have been given to differently. You would like to give, have given to them differently. Yeah. So you mourn in giraffe after empathizing with them. You say, yeah, so you're really irritated and you'd like to be able to depend on people that when they say they're going to do something, that it gets done. Especially when you've taken on the title of you. So especially when they have a title, you'd like to be able to trust that they can do that. Yes, and uh, the other people before you, they did it very well. Yeah, well, we, we pay people like this to go around the world and test out our giraffe ears to see if they work. So. Uh, and and, and uh, this jackal is also saying how much uh, she wants to be included in all the... She wants... I, I just... I hear... I, it's so difficult for me to hear people wanting things and not know how to give that much or not know how to meet all those needs. I just yeah. get torn up. Yeah. yeah, so you want to be included. Yes, I have an, and, be, and I think I deserve it because of all of the, you know, and I've done this and I've done that, and I think the least I should be able to do is be... Yeah, so it really hurts when you'd like some recognition of your efforts. Yes. So, what do you have to say about that? Well, I'm very sad. I... I have the same needs that you do. I, I really have the need also to act in a way that contributes to your well-being and the well-being of others, and especially when it means you're being able to trust uh, that things will happen when uh, they're, they're scheduled. Yes, well, why didn't you do it? Well, thank you. I was hoping you would ask that. Uh, because I would like you to empathize with the very good reasons why my chooser had me do other things instead. Yeah, so that would really take empathy, receiving empathy, sufficient empathy to, for me to be in touch with the very beautiful needs that I was meeting in my chooser choosing to do yes. what my chooser yes. chose to do. But of course your, your inner educator won't let you empathize with the chooser until you, cho- you empathize with it. So first the... When you got that message inside saying, this person's right, you know, you really have mucked up, what's wrong with you, you should have known better, you promised, you always do things like this. And then just like they're saying, the person before you did it so much better than you did. <laughs> so... <laughs> When that poor giraffe hidden behind all that jackal garbage uh, is struggling to be heard and to get some empathy, it's not going to let you go and empathize with uh, the chooser. Yeah. So how much I want to give 
in a way that people will feel the trust and will feel the connection and inclusion that they want. Yeah, and see how it turns into a giraffe right away. And then you look over at the chooser to see what good reason the chooser had for choosing what it did. It was also serving life. We never do anything wrong. Probably one of the most important things to be conscious of about giraffe. We never do anything wrong. We never have, we never will. We do things we wouldn't have done if we knew then what we're learning now. And the fun thing about life is that that'll always be the case. There's probably not a moment that we're ever doing anything that we would probably do it if we knew now what we're going to learn later. <laughs> life is always changing. It's, wouldn't it be boring if we always knew what to do? <laughs> knew the right thing to do? It'd be terribly boring. We'd be asleep. We'd be asleep. <laughs> a horrible thing to be right. And to know you're right. One of the, the best messages I ever heard any of my teachers say, Carl Rogers, the psychologist, said, if you're alive, you'll always be a little frightened. <laughs> yes, if you're alive, you'll always be a little frightened. So if you're really secure and you know what's right, poor you. You've died and you don't even know it. Thank you, Marshall. I feel uh, much gratitude right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some of my needs uh, to understand this mechanism in a way that will help me through it are met. Thank you. I, I'd just like to hear the empathy for the chooser, just to finish that. Well, we haven't gone into that. But uh, let's, uh, since it's the chooser in, uh, in Julie, so Julie, let's give some empathy to your chooser. What good reason, what, what life-serving reason did your chooser choose not to, to do something else rather than those things? Well, in, in one case, uh, um, I was trying to get caught up on a certain project and was um, didn't know how to do that and split my attention uh, between the attention I was putting on this project and going back to that set so of phone calls. So you have calls. a need to contribute to a project. So that's And the chooser at that moment didn't know how to get that need met and the other need. Yeah. So it made a choice as to what would make life the most wonderful at that moment. Yeah, and then in another case, I um, didn't. Um, I didn't make that particular phone call because um, I didn't have a trust that you wanted to protect yourself. Yeah, you the amount of time yourself. it would take. And you wanted to protect yourself from what you anticipated you could get into. Yeah, that's exactly it. So your chooser was taking good care of you at the moment. Then you have to pay for it later, but some, sometimes <laughs> I made a decision about a month ago just to say yes to somebody on the phone about asking me to come to a country and do a... 
I knew that if I didn't go through channels and contact people in that place, that I, but at that moment, I just wanted to get off that phone and rest. Really, that was the only thing in the world. My children just wanted me to have five minutes of rest. They did not want me at that moment. And then by the time I got the rest, other things came up, and I never got back to that telephone call. Well, now it's taken me enormous time to clean up the mess. But, but if I go back and really empathize with my chooser at that moment, it was doing the best it knew how at that moment to take care of me. Not justifying it, I was yeah. conscious, I made the choice, and uh, now I'm paying for it. Yeah. Would you embellish on uh, Carl Rogers, if you're alive, you're always frightened, a little frightened? Because it means life is changing moment by moment. So when you're staying connected to your own feelings, your own needs moment by moment, and you don't know what's right, you never always know what's going to happen. We saw this yesterday. This is con continuing in life. You never know what's going to happen. So there's always... If I, under the best of intentions, I say something, people can take it in a way that they freak out and create a mess. And so it's in that spirit that we, we never know the right thing to do. And what's dangerous, sometimes we think we do, and we do it, and everybody's satisfied. And then we find out later it was the worst thing we could have done for everybody. So it's, it's that consciousness that we're not all-knowing. We're always going to do things that don't meet some people's needs sometimes. Case quite frequently. Quite. <laughs> I would say always. No. <laughs> That's where we get into arguments with language like quite frequently or. Because uh, see, Jackal always is an observation if it's accurate. But now she's going to say not always. She'll think of one time six years ago she did do something she promised. Okay, so back to the fuel shortage. Why such a shortage on something so important as gratitude? So to see why the fuel shortage, let's do this, ac this exercise. I want you all to think of a g gratitude you would have loved to have received, but you didn't. Because there was somebody whose life you would have really liked to have contributed to, and you did your best, and you, you would have liked to have heard a, a gratitude. But you didn't. Pardon? Are we all doing this? Yes, we're all going to do this, and I'm going to ask you to write it down. So this could be somebody alive, uh, but it could, or it could be somebody dead now. It could have been something that happened today or when you were a child, but... A gratitude, oh boy, how good it would have felt to hear it and to have confirmed that you had enriched life for this person. How wonderful it would have felt. But it did, you didn't hear it. Now, I'd like you to write down word for word what the person might have said to you. If they had said it, what would you have liked to have heard? And write it in giraffe language so that it makes clear those three things I said. It makes clear what you did that you would have liked to have been appreciated for, what your action was. It makes clear the feeling that you would have liked that person to have felt as a result of you doing that. It makes clear what need of that person was met through your having done that. So right, imagining this person spoke perfect giraffe, what they would have said 
to have expressed their gratitude so that you could clearly see those three things. Now, even if you haven't finished, I'm going to give a second part because I see some of you have finished. So you can come back and finish the sec this first part uh, later, but let's all hear the second part of this. This is going to require you to imagine the following. Imagine now, after you've written this out, you've got clear this, you go to this person. And again, don't worry about whether they're alive or not. Just use your imagination. If they're dead, imagine going to them now. But if they're alive, imagine going to them now. And you say to this person, you know, I was just in a workshop and, and we did a, uh, an exercise on gratitude. And we were asked to think of a gratitude that we would have loved to have heard, but we didn't hear it. And I thought of one I would have loved to have heard from you. I'd like to read it for you. So now you get what you just wrote down and you read it out loud for them. This gratitude you would have loved to have heard from their, their mouths, but you didn't. And then you say to the person, I'd be very grateful if you would tell me what kept you from it. What kept you from saying? No, the, the person that, that, you're mad, that you would have liked to have said it, you ask them, and now you're going to guess their reaction. What kept them from saying it? That's a good one? Well, let's start with that good one. Now, of course, what we want to learn from this exercise is uh, we want to both see what a giraffe-sounding gratitude, how to make these three things clear. And we want to have some additional consciousness about what is the cause of the fuel shortage. Why is there not the gratitude being expressed that's critical if we are to really live in harmony with what I think we human beings were meant to live in harmony with. So you go to this person and you go through telling them about the exercise and you say that I'd like to read for you what I would have liked to have heard but didn't. And then let's hear what it sounds like. I feel very grateful that you took care of my son as if he were your own during the time you were with his father because that really met my need of, for his safety and well-being. Seems to me those three things are pretty powerful, pretty clear. So you ask this person, could you tell me what kept you from saying that? And the person says, I was afraid that you would think I was giving you permission to take over the care of my son and that I would lose control of what happened to my son. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, this is uh, very much, uh, wouldn't be at all surprising to John Powell, who wrote the book The Secret of Staying in Love. John Powell is a psychologist and Jesuit priest at Loyola University and his earlier book Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am uh, documents what a struggle it was for him given his cultural background and his training as a priest how difficult it was to come to a language of honesty to be able to say what's alive in you and especially how much trouble he had expressing pain you see 
Well, in his book, The Secret of Staying in Love, by the time he wrote that book, he had learned how to express his pain, and he had learned the blessing of getting that out and talking about it and getting empathy from it. And a lot of his pain was in relation to his father. He carried it for much of his life, and it just stayed in there. And then he learned how to get in touch with it and talk about the pain and get empathy from it and get relieved from it. And then he found out he had so much gratitude toward his father. But by then his father was dead. So he was really mourning in the book. How sad to have not known how to deal with the pain and then because of that be blocked at being able to express the gratitude. So it sounds like that's what you're guessing here. This person was in so much pain and fear that they might lose something precious to them that they couldn't get in touch with the gratitude of all that you had done for the child. And I'd say this is one of the most frequent causes of, of the fuel shortage. That if we don't know how to deal with our pain, then the gratitude cannot come sincerely. And a lot of people don't know how to deal with the pain, so the gratitude gets smothered behind the pain. Can you give me another example of that? Another example of where, like take many of our work settings, an employer and a manager is, get, is so frightened of what's going to happen if production doesn't in, 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 increase, works in constant fear because he's being judged by production of the department. When a person's in that kind of fear, how can he sincerely express gratitude for the contributions that other people are making? Or I'll give you a painful ex <laughs> example. Uh, at the dinner table one time when my son... My youngest son, I don't know how old he was, maybe nine or ten, he said to me, he was, in a, 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 he was pretty irritated because I had left three stick'em notices on his uh, room identifying things he hadn't done that I would have liked him to have done. And so at the table he was saying, have you ever noticed, Dad, how good you are at finding out what doesn't get done but you don't notice what does get done? See? And uh, I got really annoyed with him. Why did I get annoyed with him? He was right. He was bringing something to my attention that was very painful. How much I had been, my consciousness shaped by the jackal culture. You see, to always look at how you could have done it better, never to celebrate how you have enriched life. You see, is, is this giving you any more clarity or not? I, I, am I hearing it? The exercise would be to find the giraffe and the other no, people. No, it's, it's I'm if a they were time. a giraffe, how they would have expressed the gratitude. Oh. What? So. How they would have expressed it, so you could hear those three things. Okay. So did I not pick a good example? Well, that I don't I know yet. Stuck with the Let, jackal. Let's see. What would you have liked to have had the jackal say? Roy, when I saw the site library you developed for all the engineers to use company-wide, yes. I felt pleased because it met my needs for efficiency. Yes. Okay. Now, then when you ask the person, can you tell me what, why, what kept you from saying that? The person said, 
I was afraid you were making me look bad, because I should know more than you do. I'm your boss. Oh, yeah, so that's a real giraffe that would say that. <laughs> huh? Why not? The person is really identifying the fear in them that kept them from being able to celebrate what you had done. Oh, got it. Yeah. Giraffes have jackals inside. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was, I felt ashamed because I felt that I shouldn't need your help. Yes. So the more people go around with shoulds in their head and fearful of doing things wrong, wondering what other people might think of them, how can you possibly celebrate life? You see? For example, if you think there is such a thing as being intelligent, how can you enjoy life? You're going to have so much of your time worrying about whether what you say, whether what you think and do, somebody's going to think is dumb. You can't enjoy life. If you, if you had just that one judgment inside. But they don't just give you one when you're educated. They give you a whole bunch. What if I'm not only stupid, what if I'm abnormal? What if I'm neurotic? Hyperactive. Hyperactive. Ugly. Ugly. You see, so... When people are walking around with that inside, how can we expect them to celebrate life? So we've we got to make sure then that we don't allow that to keep us from having gratitude being a central part of our lives. But we need to learn how to do that in a world in which there is a serious fuel shortage created by this lack of gratitude. People are walking around too scared in a domination structure, too frightened of being punished, not getting rewarded, to celebrate life. Who well, has some other examples for us, both of what the gratitude was you would have liked to have heard and what kept the person from saying it? Uh, I've Pat. got one here. So. It says, uh, when you covered all the expenses for the household in developing my bird business. I am so happy and deeply touched. Because, you've, uh, because I have been able to contribute to the lives of so many people and their birds. And when I asked, what kept you from saying this? Says, I was afraid I'd be in your debt. Oh boy, there's a big one. Yes, you see. There's a big one. Yeah. yeah, it says, I was afraid I would be in your debt. Yep, there's another one. So now I'm going to put some giraffe ears on this person. I'm seeing from the emotion you had in telling me this how deeply you wanted to contribute to my life. Yes, yes, very much. Yeah, and I'm so, so touched when I see that how much you wanted to, and, and then how sad I feel when I realize how much it really did nurture my life. And how sad I was that I didn't know how to deal with that fear in me to just let you know what a big gift it was in my life. 
Yes. <laughs> Feels right on. <laughs> And, of course, appreciations are very often used as a buying something. So if I say something to you, you have to say something back to me. It's so mixed up with all of this in a domination world. It's like almost if this person acknowledges what has been given to them, they have to pay back. Yeah, there's uh, that kind of a issue has come up a lot. I, uh, she always keeps telling me thank you for things that I do around the house and I'm, I got a little puzzled because I wasn't, I wasn't doing them for thank yous, I was doing them because I was, you know, felt like I was contributing to the household. Yeah, uh, so, so you see, Jackal, that's why it would really help if you didn't just say the thank you, you could really tell him what you're feeling and needing so he could enjoy the thank you then. He wants to know what the game is behind the thank you. Is it really just a celebration or where, where is it coming from? Who else? Yeah. Um, this is coming back to that thing with my parents when I called them after so many years of not hearing from them yes. and what I would have liked my mother to have said something like when I hear your voice on the phone I feel elated because I need caring yeah it met my need for caring to feel yeah. it because yeah. I was trying to reach out and yeah. reestablish connection yeah. after yes. so many years and wh and what did you predict, daughter? That our reasons were for not my reason was for not saying it. Um, I was in pain because I didn't believe it was possible, and I hurt realizing how little connection there has been between us in your entire life. That's a part of it, yes. And another part of it is how I jackal myself for that. Yeah. How much I hate myself and wonder what I did wrong that would turn my own daughter from me. Yes, I vacillate between rage toward you and guilt. So yeah, I've got just a lot of that stuff to work through. Uh, but even with all of that stuff, there was this joy in there. I felt the joy, even through it all. But yeah, before I could express it, it all those other things I need some empathy for. Got one? Yeah. This is my mother. Um, when I sense your underlying rage, Nick, I'm so excited. Because <laughs> I need to connect with what's alive in you, and I see that's really alive, and I believe if we go there, we could it could take us past this stuck place. Yeah. Yeah, what, wouldn't that be a wonderful gratitude to get, that we could really feel that our parents had the giraffe ears on and really could receive whatever's alive in us as a gift. So, mm. Yeah, so what kept Mom from, from giving you that? Nick, I was so terrified of that rage because I was convinced it contained criticism of me. I was sure I wasn't satisfying you. And that was so alarming. I just tried to compliment you and be extra nice. Yeah. 
And that really cycled into my rage. It just made you more angry. Yeah. You didn't want to be calmed down. And yeah. You wanted some, just what you said, to have the life and you seen and received. It's a gift. Yeah, and Mother had some jackal ears on turned inward, and she heard criticism. So instead of your feeling like what was alive in you was a gift, what, did, what went on in you then when you saw Mother's reaction? More rage? And what did you feel about your own anger? Shitty. <laughs> yeah, so it, you didn't see it as a gift. You saw it as shit. So what's alive in you is shit. This is about Daryl. Yes. I, I wished he'd said, uh, thank you for being with me as I begin my heart attack. I feel safe. Your company fits my needs for caring and devotion. And I was distracted by the physical pain. I was scared beyond words or connection. I was scared that my needs would be oppressive to you. Both pretty clear. I just want to say how scary it was for me to be there. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear why it was so scary for you. It's Daryl speaking. Could you tell me what was so scary for you? Because I didn't know what to do exactly. And I didn't feel like I could, like we were connected about this yeah. thing that was really taking us over. So when you had such a strong need to enrich my life, but at the same time total confusion about how to do it, this was really painful for you. Yes. Yes, it was. And I was confused also about what was really needed in the moment. Yeah. At such a moment, you really wanted to be sure you were nurturing me, and you have no idea what was really needed. Yeah. And that's a hell of a place to be in. When you want to give, you sense the other person desperately needs, and, and you're not sure what to do that would meet the other person's needs. I felt so uh, foolish and out of place and um, I felt very helpless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. It really would have helped me if you could have just given me a moment of eye contact. Yes. Any kind of contact, just that you knew that that I was aware of your caring and yeah. yes, and that if you weren't doing what I wanted that that I could have empathized that it was just because you didn't know you were just confused yes mm -hmm. and I have um, a place in me that feels gratitude for um, being there for yeah 
being in the right place at the right time. So as painful as it was, you're also pleased that in whatever way you could have been there to try to even to try to give nurture me and support me, you're glad to have had that opportunity. Yes. And in some sort of mysterious way I feel trusted by you that that you let this take place when we were there together, just us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other gratitudes? I would have liked to have heard. We're really very thankful for what you've done putting up this PA system in the new building. And I'm going to publicly thank you by putting a little squib in our next institutional letter that goes out. Why he didn't say that, I imagine, was you were doing this for your alma mater. You shouldn't need gratitude. You were doing this for your alma mater. My, my school, the school that I had gone to. Yeah, see, this is the jackal concept of duty and obligation. You don't do things for gratitude. You do it because it's your duty, your obligation. It's your alma mater. It's what you do for your alma mater. You're supposed to. It's an obligation, a duty. Now, half of that is giraffe and, and half is jackal. See, the half that's, that there's no problem with, no, you don't do this. You don't do it for the appreciation. Now that part, there's no problem between the giraffe and the jackal. You don't do it for the appreciation. But you do it to enrich life. And you would like to know whether that life was enriched or not. But the poor jackal doesn't know that. They only know the concept of duty and obligation. You just should do it out of duty. You don't care about any results. It's just, if it's the right thing to do, you do it. It has its own rewards that you know it's right. Yes. Jane, when I see you um, giving a lot of your extra time to learning and working with children. I feel delighted because my need for learning has been met. Okay, and what kept the person from saying that? Because I think you're over your head. I think you're over your head. Yes. And so let's see if you have giraffe ears to deal with that response. Because <laughs> you'll like it if you hear the, the need and feeling being expressed behind it. I think you're over your head. I don't have the giraffe ears to hear that. <laughs> Anybody have a guess about what this person's giraffe ears are? Yes. I, I care for your 
I think of you being overwhelmed and I care for your well-being. What do you think about that, Jane? Possible? Yeah, that's very possible. Yeah. So, Jackal, can you tell me why would you say, I think you're in over your head, which is very easy for someone to hear that as a put-down of their ability. It's hard to hear the beauty behind it. Can you tell me why you would say a thought rather than a feeling and a need? Well, I'm a jackal. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> why did you hear what I think? If you were a giraffe, you would have just heard, you would have heard the feelings and needs and not hear, heard the thoughts. So this is why I say never hear what a jackal person speaking thinks. You'll live longer. Don't go there for a second. Don't hear for a second what they think. Hear only what's alive in them that's at the root of the, the thoughts. And especially when it's about you, when the thoughts are about you, don't go there. <laughs> Easier said than done when, when you have been educated to go there when you've been educated to more than anything in the world, be taught that what's important is what people think about you. But especially if they have authority, if they're authorities. What do the authorities think about you, your parents? Because they know, they know what you are. They know whether you're good or bad, right or wrong, normal or abnormal. And horrible things you deserve if you're bad. So what's the most important thing, what people think about you? So I'm wondering if you have some um, help for not hearing compliments or not hearing the gratitude as being about me, but about how I've been able to enrich life. Wait a minute now. So, so you need what you want. If I understand you, you want to know how to make sure you also don't hear compliments. Or, or gratitude. We're talking about gratitude right now. Well, that's right? how some people give gratitude through right, compliments. Right, right. But even the ones that we've been talking about today, I think would be easy for me to turn into, just from all the conditioning, into, oh, gee, I'm a great person now because ah, I did something wonderful and I was able to contribute ah, to life. Yes, 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 yes. That's why when I work with uh, children in giraffe schools, we... One of the first things we do is teach them to uh, have giraffe ears on at all times when they're in school with jackal teachers. Because we show them how dangerous it is to be in school with jackal teachers if you don't have giraffe ears, you see. So here's, what, here's the exercise. What a good painting this is. You liked it? You can teach a six-year-old that very quickly. Never let somebody in authority tell you what you are. This is a terrible drawing. You didn't like it? You have to get this done by this afternoon. You'd like it to be done? See, you can teach kids that. See. So that's one of the first things we really want to teach kids when we have them in giraffe schools. Never, 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 when you're in a jackal institution, 
give them the power to make you submit or rebel. Rebellion is still to acknowledge the other person's power over you. When you're conscious of your freedom to choose in any moment, you don't have to protect that, it's yours. You're, not, you're free to choose, not from consequences. This is one of the most important things to teach people. Freedom that we're free to choose, not free from, free to. So the real loss is the loss of our ability to choose. Yeah, oh, it's a big loss. Is that, is that, it's a big loss if we give to other people the, the power to make, give us permission to act. That we already have. We don't need that from other people. We're free at every moment of our life to do whatever we want to do. Now, that's heresy to believe that in a domination structure where the main thing that you're taught is that obedience to authority is mandatory. You're obligated. You can't choose. You have to do it. So we're educated very strongly not to be conscious of our choice moment by moment. People do not make good slaves when they're conscious of choice. So what you're really talking about is conserving freedom. Being conscious that you're free to choose at every moment. And not only are we free to choose, but I also want us to be in awe and in enthralled that we not only are free to choose, but we are so enormously powerful to choose that which gives us enormous joy, which is to enrich life. Yes. Okay. We can enrich life every moment. And we have enormous power to do that. Words can do it. We know that. Our touch can do it. Our presence can do it. We are enormously powerful creatures. Every moment. And so, what do I think about a hug? There's a good example of what I mean about how powerful creatures we are. Think of what a hug can do. But now, the hug without giraffe ears could be a mug. A hug turns into a mug when you give the hug when the person needed empathy. So if you're giving the hug to take the pain away because you can't stand the person's pain, you go over and you say, oh, it's okay and they needed empathy, the hug is a mug. So that's why uh, we got to have big giraffe ears. It's not enough, our intent. We've got to have giraffe ears to see whether our intent matches the need of this person at this moment. So can I summarize again? Because I really want to get this bad. Okay, so um, you're saying that this whole process of good and bad approval, disapproval, blocks us from being able to make the choice to enrich life, moment to moment. I'm saying moment by moment we have a choice. Do we want to play the game of right and wrong and who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Or do we want to play the game of let's make life wonderful? Moment by moment. Yes. It's a choice. I'm also perceiving that our choice to play the game of who's right and wrong completely interferes with our ability to, do, to play the other game. I think it messes it up. It, does, it takes all the fun out of it. So, 
What we need to do, given this giraffe, this, this gratitude shortage, this fuel shortage created by it, we need to build our, our lives around a steady stream of that energy. Just like uh, Peter was telling us last night, how wonderful the world can be if we can make sure we get the energy source that can meet all of the needs of people uh, around the world. How wonderful that would be. Well, we need to create in our lives the source of giraffe fuel that keeps us moment by moment conscious of this the game of let's play the game make life wonderful it's the most fun game in town and let's keep conscious of the enormous power each of us has to make life wonderful so to do that we've got to make sure that every day we do something to keep gratitude in our consciousness given the, the, the aspects of the jackal world that we've just looked at, all of these reasons why there's such a shortage, there's all this pain going on. There will always be pain going on. So if we're going to get lost in the pain and not celebrate life, how sad that we only see that. So we need to take some time every day for gratitude. Now, I recommend strongly keeping a gratitude journal. I have been doing this for years and it's one of the things, one of the few things I've done consistently and reliably and uh, even when I start telling myself, well, I have to write in my journal, I just stop for a moment and just remember why I'm doing it and then it's fun to do it. And uh, I thought I knew, I had originated this idea of the gratitude journal until I read this book, Simple Abundance by Sarah Brethnach and I saw just to what limits and what, with what art she shows people how to keep a gratitude journal. Anyway, in mind, the basic uh, basis of it is gratitude. Uh, what was the name of that book again? Simple Abundance. Sarah. Brethnach. B-R-E-A-T-H-N-A-C-H. Don't let people see you buy it, John, because she says in there it's for women, but don't. <laughs> don't don't let it don't let it dissuade you because uh, um, what I put in my gratitude journal every day to remind me of this game of let's play the game of make life wonderful. I play a game like we're going to play tonight, giving gratitude to ourselves. We're going to play that game tonight, so. I would recommend every day, start your day by remembering something you've done the day before or recently. Something you've done that made life more wonderful. Write it down. See, write it down. I find how wonderful it is to look back maybe six months ago, just open up my gratitude journal and see six months ago what I was celebrating about myself. Same pleasure comes over me six months later. So anyway, write down first what you did the day before. Second, get in touch with how you feel recalling it. How does it make you feel what you did? And third, what need of yours was fulfilled by doing that? Now this could have been something you did just for yourself, just to make life wonderful for yourself. It could have been something you did to make life wonderful for somebody else and you liked how it turned out. But Give yourself gratitude for this by writing down 
First, what you did. Second, how you feel about it. And third, what need of yours was met by doing it. Put words to that need, you see. It'll give, give you some practice expressing your needs more clearly, To Look at what needs were satisfied. And then when you've written down these three things, savor it. Celebrate it. And how to do that. Whichever way works for you. Whichever way gets you to see how wonderful that is. That you have that power. Just see it. See, my God, look at that. Look what I did. Look at how I feel about having done that. Look at what needs. Just savor, just celebrate that you have been given that power to do that. And come up with a creative, fun way to do it. Like for me, I give myself a flower. I'm too cheap to buy a real one, so I give myself a drawn one. I draw one on there. <laughs> so I give myself a flower. You know? and, but I really do give it to myself. I, I give it in this sense of savoring, of, my God, look at that. Just that little thing I did, and, and look at how I feel about having done it. Look at how it, what need of mine was met by that. And maybe the first three incarnations you do this, you'll have the jackal in there saying, how could you be so conceited as to sit there and think you're worth anything? And just say, yeah, jackal, I know that, but just let me sit here and savor for a moment, then do your thing. You see? So don't let the, that get in there. Just savor it. Really savor the power that you have to make life wonderful. And then, do what we're going to give you a chance to practice tomorrow. Give gratitude to somebody else, that, uh, somebody the previous day who had done something. However little or big, the thing that you now want to stop and take a, a few moments to, to get conscious of. And again, write the three things down. What the person did, how you feel about it, what need of yours was met by the person having done that. Because see, and then celebrate that. So I also give a flower to the other person. I draw a flower by it to, to really stop and think, wow, isn't that wonderful that that person could have done that and what joy it brought me and what need of mine was met by doing it. You see, so it doesn't make any difference whether it's something we do or the other person does. It, it heightens our consciousness of this power we have to remind us of what is really fun. What is really fun is to make life wonderful for each other. It's not fun to be right. It's not fun to be rich. It's fun to make life wonderful. We know that. It's obvious. But we forget it, given our cultural conditioning. So we got to have this daily celebration of what's really fun. Now, the, se the second part has an, an added advantage for me, this giving the appreciation to the other person, seeing what they did, how I feel about it, what need was met, because, you know, about half the time, I didn't say anything to the person. I got caught up in the energy shortage. I was so busy, or this or that. Or maybe I played lazy giraffe, and I said to them, oh, thanks for doing that. I can see that when I wrote it the next day, I doubt that they could have really seen what that meant to me. So when I think that there's that possibility, that the advantage of writing this and being conscious of it, then when I see them that day, if I see them, then I can say it. I don't lose it. 
If I don't see them, I can write it. I can call them. How sad to have this gratitude shortage, this energy shortage. I don't want to contribute to that. Anything else before we prepare for the daily celebration? Okay, let's take five minutes and then we'll come back for the celebration. This concludes our presentation. If you'd like to obtain additional recordings of Marshall Rosenberg or learn more about nonviolent communication, please call the Center for Nonviolent Communication in La Crescenta, California at 1-818-957-9393 or go to the Center's website at www.cmvc.org.